This is Thomas DePolo. This is Max. This is Kevin Ham. Hey, this is Jake Cook. Hi, this is William Roy. You're listening to The Green Box. Yes, so we recently finished off we the the, the Delta Green community at large uh, recently finished off the 2021 Shotgun Scenario Contest, and uh, each of us picked five that we uh, want to talk about for some reason or another. Maybe we wrote them, or maybe we just want to talk about them. So we're just gonna round robin our way through talking about the our five uh, favorites, I guess. Um, so the first one that I'm bringing up is uh, "You're the Shan Now, Dog." This is a uh, a Pisces scenario. Uh, despite the misspelling of Pisces a few times, I, I do know Bargain Brand is working on an update to correct some of the some of the things in there. Uh, yeah, despite the meme name, uh, you know, if anyone remembers the "You're the Man Now" dog websites, uh, classic of the Gen X slash you know millennial humor. I guess I'm, I guess it's more millennial than Gen X, but anyway, classic humor. I I, I, I do I do like the fact that you know I know the Socio Pisces book coming out someday. Uh, somewhere, but I do still appreciate you know the scenario is written for things other than Delta Green because it it's makes not written for anyone worse. other than Delta Green though. Well, it's, it's yeah, a okay. it's a scenario about being Delta Green agents. Yeah, but uh, that's fair. But and I, it would have been way better involves... if it wasn't. It would have been way better if you were either Pisces guys or if you were the cadaver dogs. Yeah, no, no, fair. I just mean and it, it would have been shorter as well the... because they wouldn't need that introductory paragraph of how you are Delta Green, but also investigating something that someone else did. Yeah, that's fair. I just mean it involves the the the, the milieu of another. No, I, another I, feel, I feel that, yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I think that that um, and I know that there were valid reasons for not doing this, but I think this one would have been way better if it was set in the UK and you played as either Pisces or the Cadaver Dogs, because then you wouldn't need this like two paragraphs of introduction about oh how it's a fish out of water scenario with these other characters coming in from this other place, and you could use that words to actually that words those words to actually write a scenario instead of a really cool briefing and some cool NPCs and then the end. Yeah, it, it felt more like a like an entry for the groups contest to me. I liked it. I thought I thought it was fun. I like I like the idea that um, the Shans, if you if you manage to like get the memories of a Shan, that's enough to just simulate the Shan being in your head so it comes back to life. I thought that was cool. Normally I rail against the idea that a shotgun scenario needs other work uh, to do. Like my idea of shotgun scenario is something you can pick up and run, but there is something to be said for scenarios that are pretty lightweight that you could like paste this onto another, you know, uh, this, you can kind of bolt this on like almost like set piece or room style to something. If you had like a half-ass idea, you can turn this into a, a whole-ass idea. And I, I, I do think the cadaver dogs are probably the most interesting part of the scenario, which is why I want to talk about it, or why, why why I had it on my list. I thought they were a neat idea. There's a thing in some cop shows you'll see where, like, the usual cops have to now work with maybe a federal agent or someone from another jurisdiction to collaborate on the case, and that's kind of the gameplay hook, it seems like, for this one, is the fact that, like actual Golden Retrievers, the Pisces guys are really eager to help and to learn and to get along with Delta Green, even though you've been told, don't fucking trust these guys, keep them in the dark, steal the suspect for ourselves. So I think that's kind of a cool hook you would lose if you set it as all Pisces in the UK. But the other thing is that the one thing I think this is missing is like a specific lead to frame your first scene when you're searching for this suspect. And if you did set this as all Pisces, you could use the extra part of the word count to address that. Well, so what you would do there is, 
I'm, I'm going to confess, I, I, I used to find, like, interagency rivalry super interesting, and I just kind of don't anymore. So, but, but I agree with you in the sense that you, you, when, when you're hunting guys from the same agency, it is much easier to plausibly come up with, like, oh, they, they dropped their tracking devices into a trash can here, so we know this is where they started, or something like that. And I, I agree with you on the importance of investigative hooks, because that is the part of the scenario that is often the hardest to make yourself. Yeah, I don't need a whole lot of detail. I just feel like I could use one specific detail, whether it's the name of an alias or an accomplice or the address of somewhere they might be hanging out. And once I have that one thing to frame the first investigative scene around, I feel like it could probably propel itself from there based on the NPC personalities. I just need like a couple of words for that one little push. Uh, My suggestion for this would be to run the scenario I put in the shotgun contest last year the one about the serial killer in las vegas that way you've got bargain brands really cool content and then a scenario to play it in because that one has like um shan infected british people coming to america to help uh help a dead god i felt that the shan were the weakest and most unnecessary part of that scenario but when you add this i absolutely agree i think it's a great way to incorporate this content and that thought just just now came to me. Uh, I didn't put oh, any of good. that in, into my idea. contest, and I think it'd be a really good scenario, like just mash two together and have a really good uh, ultra shotgun. Also, just having like a spy scenario set in Vegas, and with the extra heightened aspect of like your partner's a ghoul. That's really fun. First scenario I will discuss is the audience void. This is scenario the first scenario that I wrote, and it's the one that I put in first place. Uh, this scenario is based on a. Um, a Twitter post that we had where we were doing like the prompt reimagining exercise and we're like, oh, it would be cool if you had to um, like assassinate your Lathotep like in the short story when he's giving a presentation because that's the first place that that character appears is in a short story of the same name where he gives presentations to people in probably New York. That's That seems to be where the, where the story is located. And then um, we posted it on the, on to the Deltarian Twitter. The devs suggested that instead of trying to assassinate uh, the guy, the agent should have to protect him because that is more interesting. And so I wrote that as a, I wrote that scenario instead. And so in this scenario, the players are Delta Green agents who start the game on the steps of the Met, and they have tickets to Senior Lathothep. And on the tickets, it says it's written in in the case writer's case officer's handwriting, uh, protect him. And so they go inside and have various adventures doing that. And this is probably the most negative, negatively received shotgun scenario I've ever written. Really? What were the, or I guess the question, not what were the critiques, but do you agree with any other critiques? Or is um, I agree with the criticism that there's not a lot of investigation. I agree with the criticism that uh, the players are forced to, there's another, there's another, there was another scenario submitted this year that, that, that I really didn't care for, that where the players were railroaded into protecting this NPC that they really didn't like, and then... I realized it was kind of hypocritical of me to criticize that one while writing a scenario where the same thing happens. So that one's fair. The one that I absolutely do not agree with is that it should is that this scenario should have a big long briefing at the beginning where the case officer explains a bunch of things to the agents. That I think is wrong. I think that's oh, boring. Yeah. That's that would be way to fucking kill a good idea. What makes this one work is just that it's such a loaded beginning. Yeah, it was a, an image that I really liked of you you were on the stairs. The stairs are really tall. You are being told to do a thing that you don't want to do. And most of this was trying to recreate the atmosphere of the original story rather than have good gameplay. 
so I can understand that people think the gameplay is bad, and that's a fair criticism. I think you succeeded. It has this really wonderful atmosphere of dread to it between, like, knowing who and what Nyarlathotep is and you know what Delta Green is and you have to, like, figure out on the spot, am I doing the right thing? Is there a good reason for this or is it all just fucked? Yeah, the main the main issue with, with this choice that you have is that it's not really a choice because if you choose to just kill him or let him die, then the scenario just ends. There's not... There's not an alternate path of stuff that you can do. One of the things that made me appreciate this more was when you said that you intended for it to be a campaign ender. Well, no, it's an opportunity for characters to retire in a way that's more interesting than just, I accumulated too many negative modifiers, or I was shot by a gun during a mandatory combat encounter. So it's not necessarily a full campaign ender, but it is a way for individual characters to bow out. Gotcha. I think one thing that people might not have realized, because I didn't explicitly state it, and I probably should have, is that at the end, when the characters are given the choice, they don't all have to choose the same thing. Some people can stay behind, and some people can return to the, to the real world. Yeah, I think I missed that. I didn't write it, so that's probably why. Oh, okay. It's not explicitly stated. Yeah, yeah. That'd be, why, it'd be why I missed it. I'm wondering if if the little stable of NPCs who all are trying to kill Nyarlathotep if one of them does it, maybe they take Nyarlathotep's place and continue the presentation. Like, just because he dies doesn't end things. It changes things, but it doesn't end things. I'm wondering if that's, that still is meaningful. That that could be fun. That'd be like the ending of, of Dusk when you kill Nyarlathotep. He's like, okay, cool. I'm giving you my power now. Have fun. Yeah, there you go. Nice. Maybe then one of the players decides they actually want to be the one to pull that, the trigger that was even in That was even in... Uh, Holy War. In Holy War, I think it was the one where um, Stephen Alzis wanted you to take the place of his like undead manservant as the like run his club, run his secret club, and do all of his wizard shit for him. But how much cooler would it be if he was like, "Yeah, I'm sick of this shit. Whoever kills me gets to be Stephen Alzis." That'd have been way cooler. You're right. Oh, that would be pretty cool, yeah. This one basically was written based on an observation that I think Will made that shotgun snare writing is not... A, he, he believes that shotgun snare writing is not about um, writing like a really tightly play-tested, gameplay-rich scenario. It's about writing something really evocative. And I think that he's right in the sense that a lot of the past winners have been essentially playable short stories, like Nockbruder or Polybius. Those are scenarios that have... Lots of cool background detail, or let's learn Akala. Lots of cool background details, stuff to discover, but nothing to do. Yeah, and I, and I think, I mean, so I think this one because because you're giving them us a, a huge sandbox to play in. Obviously, you can't cover you know the entire met in one in 1500 words. So the, so the handler can pull from all sorts of interesting parts if if they go off the the path, so to speak. You know, there's there's tons of cool stuff that they can pull from there because you use the real place. What I like about using that because uh, I do it all the time too is handler can very quickly. If you know, if you didn't write about like you know the the sub-Saharan Africa part, and they just you know they the story takes them there, you can pull up an image of that quickly and describe it, toss it into roll twenty or whatever, and like for it those feels of you like who haven't plan. read the the scenario, there's a link to their 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 map, um, yeah. interactive mapping page that shows you what's in all the rooms on the little map. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, and, you know, obviously the danger using that is it may, that may, may, link may not work for everyone, but for now, it, I think it's a. I mean, I I do that too. Because giving someone a real place to play with it makes it gives the handler a, a lot to lift from. So I like that. I thought it was a neat bottle scenario, you know, so to speak. You know, it doesn't involve you. Really, you really could have padded it out if this was like if this is a longer scenario with all this investigation and all this like lead up stuff. But that would just take away from the from the gameplay, you know. Um, I'll talk about Operation Nightfall. 
But first I'll talk about the prequel to Operation Nightfall. Uh, my friend wanted to write a shotgun scenario for the first time. And he asked me to help edit it for him because he had a concept. And he wanted to know like what would be good and you know what, what sort of stuff to avoid. And so he wrote um, Special Delivery, which was the one that involves player characters getting two different set of briefing instructions, being told to go to a place in Boston for a meeting, and also being told to, like, infiltrate this secure, like, future tech uh, compound place. Uh, so the way we had intended for it to be was that you it's confusing. You get two briefings. You're not really sure what's going on. You go in. You... You're able to easily get into the building because the AI is helping you bypass security and turning cameras off and unlocking doors. And then, like, once you get to the computer terminal where it is there, he's like, you're on your own now. So you have to, like, get back out. So it's like a reverse heist situation. Um, we, I wrote this one, like, presupposing that the AI got loose one way or another. And now, um, he's been fed, like, bad, unnatural, you know, cosmic nihilism, the tome literature, whatever, and he decides to embrace it and to start, like, slowly eliminating Delta Green members. So that's where you are. You're, um, investigating the death of your case officer, who's shot in seemingly broad daylight, no description of a shooter anywhere. Um, and that's because the shot hasn't happened yet, because uh, the bad guys have a sniper rifle that shoots bullets backwards into time. So you can act to save him. And it goes from there, just sort of, uh, it's more of like, less a scenario and more of like ways for uh, the handler to arrange for those shots to be taken and how to investigate around them. I like this scenario. I just think it would be better without the super AI if it was just the three dudes with the special rifle, because they're the interesting part. I think the super AI is not interesting. I'm, I'm glad you like my NPCs. I um, They are cool. One of them is the son of the guy who dies in um, Last Things Last. Last Things Last. <laughs> yeah. I just threw that on there because I thought it'd be neat. Um, and then another one is like... A, a distressed uh, super scientist who saw the uh, Dinoha formula. And the last one is just an alcoholic, like, former uh, Blackwater special operators guy who doesn't question orders. So I thought that guy was kind of the, the key. He gets the orders from the AI and he doesn't question them at all. To be fair, those orders could come from, you know, a person. If, if you hate the AI, you can always sort of come yeah, from a, a yeah. person if you wanted to. Absolutely, yeah. If you don't want the AI angle, you could just I have like the, the idea that they, they believe it's a super AI, but it's just a guy. It could be. Well, originally, I thought it might so be... So um, people on 4chan trolling. Uh, Agent Crumpton, or was it and Crumpton, the uh, Agent Andrea, as another option. Uh, but I didn't have enough word count to put that in, so I didn't. Yeah, people adapt that if they want to. I think the, the AI is really cool as, like, an ongoing campaign book. I think if I was just going to run it as a one-shot, I might just drop that part of it and make them self-directed. This reminds me of... Oh, God. What what was the show where the guy from Lost made the super-intelligent AI... Uh, person of like, Interest. Yes. This feels like... like if, if, if Person of Interest would be a good like campaign bad guy. Yeah, it feels like that's what the AI here is. I haven't seen a uh, person of interest, but I did base this on a different media property. Uh, I, which, which one's that? I stole the comic. It's from a comic book called Deep State, where there's the time sniper rifle. I was actually really excited when I read this, because I know for a couple of years now, I think you've been referencing how you want to do something with that concept of the gun that shoots backwards in time. Dude, this scenario draft has been in my Google Drive since like 2018. <laughs> I was so excited when I read it. Like, yeah, he finally got it. I do like the idea of a time display shot because it allows it just 
there's so much you can pull from, like, do with that. It's very interesting. Yeah, it's really strong because it's like, it's one weird hook and then you can do a lot with it. Um, I, I didn't get to fully play test this. I did, um, have a fun, like, penetration test with, uh, I think British came in and I said, assume you have like a team of competent Delta Green agents and this is what happens. And so we just kind of went back and forth, did like a 15 minute, like speed run of the scenario. And it really helped me shore up some things. So I wanted to throw that out there as another way for people to, uh, you know, work on their entries, just find someone you trust and have them, you know, play it through just that way. Just talk it out. Yeah. yeah, just talk it out. Cause I didn't have enough time to do a full play test for this, but, um, I did have this really like fantastical sort of image in my mind of like, you have to like chain like sniper rifle shots to the past in order to undo everything <laughs> and how that would be a possibility. Just like you have to kill the guy who kills the guy who kills the guy. Uh, oh, only one person um, got the reference for the uh, Operation Nightfall. It's a reference to uh, one of my favorite levels in Halo Reach where you're, it's the sniper mission in Halo Reach. All right, Tom, what's the first one you want to talk about? <clears throat> All right, mine is Operation Pitch Blend. So the premise of this pitch one blend. is that, yeah, Pitch Blend with an extra E on the end for that's that's how class. Pitch Blend is spelled. Is it? I'm actually not familiar with the word. Pitch Blend is a is a uranium ore. Ah, uh, okay. So the premise of this one is that a weird body has been found in a dump outside Philadelphia, and it turns out the body is an identical replica of a U.S. Navy admiral who is still up and walking around and going about his job. So the whole premise of the scenario is you need to investigate what's going on here, figure out which one is the real one and what kind of weirdness is going on and make it go away. And I just really love, like, how hard it goes on the paranoia and the not knowing and having to do the investigation to get to answer that question. I think it just really like, it really builds the tension on that one and the feeling of, well, which way is this going to go? Yeah. And it's, it's the kind of thing where you, you can't just like bust into the Admiral's house and like time up and demand answers because he's like too high profile and you don't know what, you know, you know what's going on. So it forces you to actually do some pretty interesting, like forces you to do some surveillance and tailing and all that kind of stuff we've talked about before. Yeah, and it's got a whole, like, schedule for the Admiral based on, like, what time of day during the week he's often doing things. And, like, successes on some roles to surveil him will make you more likely to get future successes. Because you, you know if this was, like, Seaman Gublats, they'd just be like, black bag that man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is not someone you can just disappear. I'll be the judge of that. You think I? You think you think that me, a Delta Green player character, can't just disappear somebody? Why did I learn all those spells if I couldn't use them to delete another human being? It's what it's like they said in uh, an evil guest. They are taught to take life. They are taught that they have a thousand comrades who will rescue them from any power of law. All right, I just feel like yeah, that the tension and the uncertainty and the paranoia is what really makes it work. So. Yeah, you can do that, but short circuiting that investigative part would kind of well. The, the issue, the issue for me is that it's got that investigative component. But if I remember correctly, this one doesn't actually have a, an answer to the question that you're asking by investigating. It doesn't it's not actually. I, an explanation. I read it. I read it twice, and I couldn't figure out what it. And I think that I think that was a deliberate on the author's part because they consider that out of scope. But I think that it's the the thing that the players are supposed to be looking for. So I don't think it's out of scope. I think it's kind of important. I absolutely agree with the author on this one. So the author says towards the end, like, the, his assumption when you run it is that 
the living person is in fact some kind of mythos created replacement and the body is the real one. But there's no explanation as to who is responsible or how it happens. And to be honest, all that shit strikes me as things you need to worry about in the week between the first session and the second session. Like, there's enough here. You can just focus on on trying to figure out which one is the real one. And then you can worry about the backstory for it later. Well, it's interesting. It's like, you know, some shotgun scenarios are great because you can run them at a con. They're three hours long. They hit you fast. And you, you can hit the, you know, and they're great. But some some shotgun scenarios are great because they can start a, a longer thing. So this would be the this would be a great way if you already have an idea if you already have an idea for a mythos thing or a a big bad or like an evil corporation or the big AI or whatever. This can seed that, you know, much like a lot of other scenarios can. So I think it works really well for that. But I would, I mean, maybe word count matter. But I guess I I would have appreciated that being more clear at the front. So just so I as someone reading it knows that like what kind of what I'm like getting into. If you really wanted uh, a natural explanation for this doppelganger, just look at like the four other uh, entries this year that had doppelgangers in them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this yeah. this 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 is well trod ground, and I do think that I'm unfairly critical of this scenario as a result of it because it's not this dude's fault that other scenarios written under a veil of secrecy that probably they probably never saw were used the exact same premise. But by the end, I was like. I think I wrote the same feedback for all of them, which was this year's contest had a big pile of scenarios about duplicate people and duplicate corpses. All right, so so the one thing I really liked about this one is the friendly who is worried about that they if they even tell you what they know about about the unnatural and about the the crime that you will think they're a part of the problem and kill them, so they just don't tell you anything. I think that's really annoying as a player, but I think it's a great meta commentary on the way how Delta Green usually operates. I also think, yeah, that and the fact that if you fail a forensics roll, you think you see an incision on the body that then later disappears, like something was removed from it. I think that's great. I think that is like, it's just one line, but I think it's a really strong way to build that sensation. The other thing I think about it is the whole like Admiral schedule has, it has a couple of random roll elements that I would probably just decide by fiat rather than leaving up to chance. But one of them is there's a 3% chance that on any given work day, he goes down to DC and has a meeting in the Pentagon. I would probably just make that happen. And if anybody tells him, you see like Forrest James or whatever in the same room as him. And then a big alarm flags. Oh boy. Yeah. Yep. That'd be a good meeting to spread your longer campaign hooks at too. Really yeah, good. Exactly. Really good paranoia there. I, the one element of the scenario I didn't like that was paranoia was the failed forensics roll that makes you suspicious of the friendly. That that seemed out of place to me. But uh, I could I could see this being like a good trade craft like paranoia game. Otherwise, I think the way that I would treat it is just as ambiguous. Like maybe it's something, maybe it's nothing. You can't tell. Um, back to me, I guess. Uh, I'm gonna go a little out of order just because I can. Uh, my list. I'm, I'm talking about a routine audit, uh, which was a scenario that was submitted last year and then kind of revamped for this year. Um, and what's interesting, so I, I, I took a, I took a minute to I took a couple minutes to look at the actual differences between the two years, you know, writings because it is a tough. I, so I find every time I've gone back and re reworked from from zero any old scenario, it makes them always makes them better, but it's also a tough thing to do because you don't want to like cut your old work up to pieces. So props for that. I think it still needs some work. Um, I think it just, I think the scenario will never fit in a shotgun scenario because there's, there needs to be more. 
for the handler to, to glom onto. But between like last year and this year, there's a, they've added a lot. They made like the map a lot clearer, and it's like a hypercube style map. So making that more clear is helpful. And they've added a bunch of extra descriptive stuff, like stuff for each of the rooms and stuff. Which again, the first year was it was pretty pretty tough to figure out what was even happening. So I feel like it's there. I just think it needs like another thousand words and not a shotgun to be a like a perfect not perfect but to be a you know a solid scenario. The uh, the basic idea here is that you have to investigate this you know Department of Defense building, and you, once you get inside, you're kind of in this loop of of rooms that kind of hypercubes their way around. And in theory, you find a bunch of pieces of this uh, like super, you know, hypergeometric thing, and you put them all into a big freezer, and then you win. But that's really kind of hard to figure out in the words given. Uh, so a handler would definitely have to seed that a little harder, I think, to get the hand to get the players to figure out that they got to start collecting these things, and you know, and, and uh, uh, like safe, like safe housing them. You know what I mean. I do think anybody who links directly to the green box generator does get points off for creativity. But what can you do, right? I still don't understand what's happening in this one. It's it's easier. It it makes more sense than the previous iteration. But I think that the so so it's like it's like a green box that leads out into alternate realities. It's essentially it's just like uh, bestow. Except if the rooms in Bestow were full of bureaucracy, like, government yeah. bureaucracy. That sounds awful. <laughs> Bureaucratic horror, you know. I'm I'm trying to not just be super negative, but like I didn't like the original version of this scenario. I, I thought know, it was that, incoherent. I mean, the, the, like I said, the the biggest changes from from I skimmed through were in the original scenario. Um, the the levels were very like the lounge has vending machines. Like it was really really simple, and and the the current version. There's lots of bad example or something changed there, but they add a lot more description. Like there's like more like loot, so to speak, you can find. So if players actually investigate, they start realizing that there's things they can investigate, and they start finding pieces of this equipment, pieces of this the gallop, the uh, the thing, the MacGuffin. And once the only thing that really isn't there that I saw was the idea that they need to collect. Like they can find the pieces in each room, but most the other Piece, pieces, aren't going to like pick it what? up. Pieces of the of the the what do, what do they call it the it's a crystal. It's like a like living metal crystal thing. Oh, the Matrix AI. Okay, okay. Yeah. The gallop is, is what they call it in, in, this, in the revamp scenario. Um, so I'm not sure. Like, just gonna be like, okay, well, we we found the piece in the you know in, in the in the NASA office, but like, what do you? To my mind, the what's not telegraphed the agents is they need to find them all and then put them somewhere and cool them down, and like that makes it all go dormant and makes the building go back to like normal again. I mean. If I was going to run this, like I know that as a handler, I would just make it either I would either make it like directly part of the briefing, or I'd make it really obvious somehow. But you know, the the, the scenario should do that work. It shouldn't make me do that work. <clears throat> I just mainly want to highlight it because I think like good on somebody for taking a scenario that like, was pretty mediocrely received last year. And instead of being like ah fuck it, they just you know cut it apart again and, and tried to make it better. And I think I think it's you know, man, it's still not the best scenario, but it's definitely improved in my opinion. And uh, I still don't know whether I'm going to have to put a rule in next year's shotgun scenario that, because like, I, was, I wasn't sure if I should accept it. Like, there's no rule against it, but submitting the same scenario again with some minor tweaks is a little suspect. Or maybe not suspect, but a little, like, against the spirit. <laughs> yeah, so that was my thoughts. Anyone else have thoughts on it? Uh, I really only skimmed this one, to be honest. I think it's just very dense, so it was hard for me to get a lock on it. Uh, Max, you go. Your next one? Yeah, so the second one that I wrote is Hemimetabolism, and this one was pretty well received. This is a redo of Metamorphosis. Metamorphosis is an older shotgun scenario about killing some people in a storage unit, and it has a really cool backstory that the players don't get to interact with, where a group of Delta Green agents investigates a spider-based cult at a domestic violence shelter, 
And I thought that was sounded way more interesting. And then I was trying to think of ways to not just make it like the moral dilemma is you shoot people and it's awkward because like they're, you know, people fleeing, women fleeing domestic violence. So I was thinking like, what's a more interesting presentation of that subject than just blast someone you don't want to blast? It's like, okay, what if, what if it's a, what if this one is a completely mundane group that just does killings of, um, like the abusive partners, the, 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 the abusive ex-husbands and so on in a way that is weird but ultimately mundane. So they sneak into their houses using the keys that their wives take when they leave to go to the shelter and they pour spi- pour poisonous spiders all over them and they die of extreme like black widow toxin or whatever. And then Delta Green's like, oh, it's a spider cult. We got to go solve the crimes. And then the shelter has like a weird spider religion, but it's ultimately just mundane. The main issue that we ran into with the playtest, I, I, I had this one off to playtesting. I didn't playtest Audient Void, but British was really helpful playtesting this one and gave me lots of good advice. And the primary issue that they ran into is that, um, that, that British and his players ran into is that the, uh, <laughs> they're, they're, once the players realized that it was a completely mundane group of, of people that was just going around and killing their exes, they said, we don't care. They said that yeah. times. They, said, they said good. Here's a I gun. Wrote that, I wrote that as a as a um a possibility because ultimately like revenge on someone who hurts you is like a really strong motivator for Delta Green agents and for players in RPGs out of character. So I figured that a lot of people wouldn't care. The thing I think it would have probably helped to make the actions of the cultists a little more ambiguous. Like currently there's one of them who believes that her husband didn't actually deserve it because he never actually he wasn't actually a beater but she was like pressured you know pressured into doing it by the other uh cultists but ultimately i think that this one is a bit too straightforward in the in the correct answer is to do nothing department even if people don't necessarily 100% believe that that's the correct way to handle things they are still would prefer to do nothing versus like okay we're gonna go and shoot all of these like domestic violence victims like no nobody wants to do that so this scenario suffers a bit in that department but all the people who played it said that they had fun so at least it's enjoyable this scenario could have used a bit more um a bit more spice in terms of making them more of an actual threat instead of just doing things that Delta Green agents would easily do that would, would gladly do themselves. Uh, however, the other issue with it that I did want to address, but we were just out of word count, is a lot of people wanted a mundane or unnatural option, or they wanted there to be an option that there was actually a spider cult with an actual like monster spider or spider spells or whatever. And that would have been cool, but the, we were already at word limit, and so we would have to remove other details in order to fit that in. I mean, I think it's important to have some of these kind of red herring style or mundane scenarios. Cause this sometimes you have a group of agents in like a campaign who are just getting a little too trigger happy. And that's when you drop this on them and force them to either. I don't, like, I don't think it should be used as a, a punishment. I think that, and because I get, because I get what you're saying. It's that, it's that you need to, to teach people to do investigation before they blow things up. But yeah, it's a change of pace. You know what I mean? It's, it's not the usual, yeah, my, even, my, even if you're not punishing with it, it's a change of pace. My thing that we, I think we discussed during the episode on Occam's Razor is that a good mundane scenario needs to be interesting even after you 
discover that there's no mythos. That needs to be something that's that's interesting that's happening. And here, I think I put something interesting that's happening. It's just that some people just decide that yeah, that's interesting, and I don't I don't care to to intervene. Yeah, you you can't 100% predict what's going to be intriguing to people or what's I going to call people to action or not. You yeah, know? well, I think I think it, it intrigues people. It's just that they feel that they don't need to do anything about it. It's like there was a scenario in that scenario pack in Occam's Razor where. You you find out that someone's like making um, like porno movies about deep ones, but they're not actually deep ones. They're just people in costumes. And then the scenario text is like the players will want to investigate and make sure that nobody makes porno movies about deep. So I don't fucking care if they make porno movies about deep ones. That's a scenario that's interesting. Like that's an interesting topic, especially since actual deep ones will show up and assassinate them later. But like as a player character, I I'm I'm. I, I don't need to do anything in that scenario. I don't need to to make sure that nobody makes Deep One pornography and protect the honor of the Deep Ones. You know, Max, I really like this scenario. This is one of my favorite ones from this year's entries, and I just had one criticism of it, yeah, and, and it's, why the hell didn't you enter this one into my contest, the Monday and a new one? Because I already entered a scenario into your contest. You could have done more than one. This would have been uh, perfect for Monday and a new one. You want to enter... You want to enter a good scenario in the good contest. Well, no, no, here's the thing. I think that eight. I think that eight folds to infinity is a better scenario than this, just because it has more interesting gameplay. This one has more interesting like investigation and stuff, like because that because eight folds to infinity is is ripped off of a, a video game. It's ripped off of least of the pointless. Whereas this is an, a more a more kind of grounded scenario. But eight folds to infinity has more gameplay because you can like drive the car around and get in fights with people and stuff. The something that strikes me about this one is I think it would really start to shine as an ongoing campaign presence because they have these weird occult elements just to buy all the women in the shelter into what they're doing. And I wonder how like how that plays out when you have to occasionally check in on them and make sure they're not becoming an actual mythos magic cult. Yeah, it'd be interesting to like run this, and then like two years later, run it again, and the players would be like, "We've done this before. Like we've <clears throat> we've investigated them." And be like, "Look, that's what your case officer needs you to do." And then all of a sudden, there is some kind of a you know they have gone a little off the off the hook, or some mythos entity has kind of figured out that it can use them because like a good mythos entity would f- would find these people and be like, "Oh, they're already they already have a cult. They're already like fa- they already have all the trappings. All I got to do is you know exist and like you know sap their power or whatever." So it's a it's a it's an open window for somebody to come in, right? Because in Metamorphosis, the whole point is that they are an actual like Alagnacha spider magic cult. So I'm curious to see how you go from point A to point B. But any other thoughts on uh, this scenario? Hemimetabolism is the thing that creatures which don't undergo metamorphosis do. Oh, that's clever. Yeah. If I had like bothered to Google the word, I would have known that. I guess it's called, it's, they call it incomplete metamorphosis. It's like how so metamorphosis is when you have like larva, pupa, adult. Hemimetabolism is just there's a little spider and it grows up to be a big spider. Because spider spiders don't have a larval stage; they just have spiderlings that come out of the eggs, and the spiderlings grow up to be big spiders. Oh, that's sick. Okay, yeah, that, that actually makes the scenario better. Includes cockroaches, grasshoppers, and stick insects. <laughs> Uh, Jake, what's your next one? Uh, I wanted to talk briefly about uh, at the bottom. Now in the middle? Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, who's on first? Um, at the bottom is a cool one. It's a, a, if I remember the premise right, there's like a van that's carrying some unnatural artifacts and the van careens off of a bridge and agents are tasked with uh, going to the bottom and getting the artifact uh, not only out of the bottom of the river, but also to the safe 
house. And like, uh, I do some investigative diving, uh, professionally and this piqued my interest, but I had like a lot of comments for the, the author about like what it's actually like at the bottom of a river that oh, wait, I, did he, did he, this is a scenario allow you to have any visibility? No, it, 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 yeah, it does. And like, it, it assumes you can just like take the big heavy object and just swim right to the top with it or whatever. Um, so I will say this is literally this is literally a, a car crash here. It goes the other artifacts in a scenario, which uh, normally aren't my favorite. But continue. Um, so I, you know, I just had like comments for them that I submitted to the the, the feedback form for you. But I, I thought it'd be this is the same reason why I wrote a, a scuba scenario like a couple of years ago because there is something interesting to portray or like convey to others about you know being at the like like if I were to run a a game like that now i'd be like close your eyes we're gonna we're gonna play this game um with your eyes closed like put a put a blindfold on uh you can roll the dice and uh you won't know like how effective what you did is and it's like a challenge for the the handler to describe what it is that they feel uh without necessarily you know what i'm saying like i thought that it this this is not what that scenario is about but it's what it, it made me yeah, think would be so interesting the, the basic issue is that the experience of diving in those conditions is not something that is easily replicated through gameplay in an rpg because it's like all right it's dark what do you do um i try to find the thing okay roll 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 special training scuba dive okay i found the thing all right now roll special training scuba dive to get the thing because it, it like there's a really rich description there of of that that you had of of uh like here's what the water conditions would be like here's what it, training and equipment you would need basically basically what you what you put forth is that there's absolutely no way that a random group of delta green agents could do this mission it would have uh, yeah, to be take that, yeah. a group of specially trained dudes the descriptive text you provided was really good but i don't know that there's a way to actually turn that into gameplay without just being a series of skill tests that only certain characters could accomplish so there's this weird thing with Delta Green where, because it's a game set, like in reality, so to speak, you, when you run it for different groups of people, you get different reactions. Like, if Jake ran this for, for his dive team buddies, I bet it would be a totally different scenario than if Max ran it for a bunch of, you know, people who've never had died before. Not because either one is, like, bad at running games or the game is written badly. It's because the people who already know this stuff would have a different experience. Like, I have to imagine running, like, night visions with a bunch of people who, you know, a bunch of, you know, army or marines or whatever who were in Afghanistan or Iraq is different than running it for a bunch of Zoomers, you know, over Discord. Yeah, the, a certain level of understanding or, or of, of on the part of the players and the person running the game could like fundamentally change the outcome and like the experience. But that's not really any, any you know any any scenario where you are a subject matter expert and it's going to be better for you than someone where it's not. So it's not like a criticism or a, you know a hallmark of this scenario in particular. It's more of a general yeah general the, the scenario. Yeah. It just it just stood out to me as interesting for for those reasons. You know, like um, you know, it's it's like when you're watching a movie. And you go like, oh, that's not how that gun works or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, put on that chin strap, John Wayne. But I, I thought, you know, this is an incredibly interesting like premise, and it does inspire. Uh, you know, it inspired me to think about it and to kind of talk talk through how I'd run it and and what I do. Uh, the like back to the actual scenario text though. Um, the unnatural rocks have uh, effects that I didn't really understand. 
how they work. Um, and let me look at the specific block of, of text. Is like uh, fluids, uh, water, and other fluids will be drawn closer. So I was like, is this thing like condensing the water that it's in? Like, is it like, is it is it just is is it is it fucking like hoovering up? Is it a black hole that water is like flowing into, or like what is what's going on with this thing? You know? And it says like fluids. So like, what about like all the water that that composes like cell cells? Are we just like? Uh, I mean, so, it does say it affects it water inside, inside yeah. you. But I do think that that's like I would have tossed that out because that 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 raises so many more questions than it answers. I'm like I'm pretty sure if all the water got moved out of your cells, you'd die like really f- badly, fastly. <laughs> like, I don't think you'd like you just flake out, you know? Yeah. So the, like, it's sucking in like metal is neat, and it's sucking in like bodies. I'm also fine with because like, you could just kind of you can just lump a body as like a, as like an, an object. But I have fluids, I think that's where it kind of lost me on like having to try to pull them in. I don't like it. I actually like that part. I would have probably dropped that it pulls bodies towards it and just keep metals and fluids. And then you can justify as magic nonsense is what makes it difficult to try and get out of the water. Because I think it's just more interesting if you're trying to get away with it and it starts making you sick as opposed to it just starts throwing you around. So this is another, you know how like uh, you'll see writers on Twitter Googling about like, oh, I hope nobody looks at my search history. They'll see some disturbing things or whatever. Because like writers, uh, they'll research like something that they're writing and that they're... uh, they're not necessarily like very familiar with. Yeah, this I I think that um, this author was bold. They went with a uh, a subject that they may not have been familiar with, and they could have like Googled it a little bit better to, to work more with the the premise, which is true for a lot of scenarios. And I know I, I've had to like like one of the things I'm like Googling and researching now is like how do coal mines work because I wanted to do a scenario that takes place in a coal mine. So I'm learning a lot about it too. So that's that's my suggestion for people. It's like if you want to expand beyond like your comfort zones and like what you're not familiar with in terms of writing, uh, you know, do some research. I like that it takes place all in a public place that people can see you on the banks of the river as you're diving for it. And then you have to drive through the city. It kind of makes it a little more wild and uncontrolled as it goes on and the rocks start acting out. Uh, my third one is abnormal anatomy, which is essentially just a 100 item list of weird, fucked up rooms you would find in a haunted, possessed hospital. Yeah, it's like a build your own scenario using you know, D100 tables. Yeah, basically. Card table. <laughs> Tom, you're the only person I've heard um, say a kind word about this one. So let's hear. I really like that it just goes against like the whole formula of how you write a shotgun scenario. And I think there's, I think the room descriptions are really short, but they're also really evocative in ways that gives you things to interact with. I think you could pretty quickly just take this and run with it. Uh, Like there's a, and as it goes on, there are ideas that keep coming back and get developed. Like these weird faceless people who, if you find the right rooms, it starts to explain what's going on with them. It starts to explain like who is responsible and what kind of unnatural force is doing this to the place. Uh, So the framing is that four other Delta Green agents have gone missing, exploring this weird messed up space. And ideally you are trying to bring them home or at least find out what happened to them. I I was one of the people who when I, when I gave my uh, 
criticism of this. I was like, man, I, I didn't even finish reading it. It's really, you know, sort of avant-garde. I, I, I did say it was evocative. Uh, but now that I've heard you talk about it, I wonder if this would be better if it wasn't like a single D100 list, but several other tables where, you know, uh, I've been playing a lot of Ironsworn here lately and they have like a table for everything. Or, you know, another example, like Stars Without Numbers, there's a table for everything. You know, like reasons why this monster is there. Or even like like a monster's table, uh, a reaction role table, um, you know, threats, opportunities, perils, helpful things, connections, clues. It, I, I feel like if they split it up and like maybe labeled them a little bit better, it'd be more comprehensible. Oh, fair enough. Like maybe it's a little more procedural, so you're kind of pulling it together more at the table. Right, yeah, because the way I see it, it's it's like a room crawl, except they don't really uh, categorize, like, what you might find in the room or whatever. Yeah, it's very much like, here's the one interesting item, and either you're going to engage with that, or you're just going to move on to the next one. Like, it's an extra-dimensional space, like Bestow, or that other one, uh, Routine Audit, but it, it spends less time on, on, like, the navigating the space, and, well, I mean, it spends less time on, like, a lot of, a lot of stuff. Because it's just a big list. Yeah, and stuff like it's like the first two, like new door and hospital basement. It's like the first table should be like this is a basement room. The second table should be like it has a weird door in it or it's gore covered or whatever. My my, I mean, I I don't mind a shotgun scenario. That's not a shotgun scenario. I mean, write something interesting, but they only use about half the words. So like, you should use those other seven hundred words to write more tables or more things or more like. Like it, it seems like they're. You'd think looking at it, they're really tight because it's like briefing, missing agents, investigate. Like they were like trying to squeeze words down, but like they didn't. <laughs> they didn't even need yeah. to. <laughs> so use all your words. I, I I don't mind the the ingredients they use to make this scenario. I just think the finished product falls flat. See, that's what I like about it is that it's very. It seems very deliberate about everything it's doing. Like every bit of terseness is just to take off like a shot and really get you in there fast. I don't like any scenario where there's a pretense of exploration, but actually you're just moving through things randomly. This was one of my big problems with Castle Gargantua. It's one of the reasons why I like Bestow so much, because Bestow has an actual logic to it. It has a puzzle that you can solve by figuring out how to move around the game world, whereas this is just go to a fucked up set piece, walk in a straight line until you get to the next set piece, and just continue doing that. That is the one big criticism I have of it. And now that I know it's so far under the word count, could have been inflated more helpfully. Uh, the two lines for exploration are randomize, number of exits to other rooms, doors, never to the same room twice. And so there's kind of a question mark, like, so what's the optimal way to get people from room to room? Should I just, like, roll on D100? Should I just roll on a D6, like, whenever they leave their current room and then go up that many? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or like any any time there's a, a character, you could tell us, you know, what their their disposition is, what they what you'd like the first thing you notice about them is, you know, uh, what their goal might be. I'm sorry, I'm just looking through Iron Sworn's tables and seeing like how they do the randomization aspect of it. Because I do I do love abstract games like that where the the game runner is is free to kind of make stuff up as they go along, but it. It's not useful to me, this table. It's only useful if I already had a scenario about a hospital and I just needed some creepy rooms to add some flavor to it, but I already have the rest of the scenario done. Fair enough. That Then you can steal from this, yeah. 
Well, it's like, you know, the four missing agents, give me a, a D6 table of, like, what happened to them so that they're, you know, I don't, you know, roll a one, they're findable in, you know, uh, rooms that are squared numbers or, you know, where they're findable in rooms that are prime or whatever. Like, so, like, give me something. There's no end to this. Do they show up in any they, of the tables? I don't yeah, think so. Yeah, they do. They, they occasionally reference, without naming a specific one, certain rooms will reference here is a missing agent, and the others have enough NPCs mentioned. Oh, yeah, that I you see. can just say, okay, this guy is one of the missing agents, even though he's not explicitly named as such. Yeah, if you control F agent in the document. Yeah, I was looking for their names, it. but I see how they did it. Okay. Yeah, so I, I see what you guys are saying, but I like that. This one, even though it's so weird, it's deliberately consciously weird, and it's it's very much a bare minimum, but I do think I could run something with this bare minimum and have it be fun. The other issue is that after a certain point, you can no longer pile on descriptive text of gross things because no one cares anymore. You dismember one dude and it's fucked up, you dismember 30 dudes and it's like, who cares? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I th- and I <laughs> and I think it does kind of save itself on that because the further it goes along, the harder it starts to go on the random creepy elements actually having plot significance. Like it starts piling on rooms that tell you things about what's going on here or that are relevant to solving the problem. But the- which gets back to your earlier question of are you meant to go through this linearly like advancing D6 every time or is it a completely random D100 yeah. roll? I think probably the way I would do it is I would start with a D6 at first, and then as time goes on, I would probably just, like, pick and choose significant rooms towards the end of the list. Yeah, so, Tom, I compared this to a game called Castle Gargantua, which was a uh, a D20 fantasy module, and it was another one that had extremely evocative content, but the way that it was strung together was essentially completely random, and there was no way for the players to really affect the outcome by choosing how they explored, which was which made it, like, fun on a moment-to-moment basis, but extremely unsatisfying overall when I, when I tried to run it. All right, yeah, I think I remember a couple people talking about the time you ran it. And I actually wrote my own riff on it to take the actual stuff that I liked about it and put it in a format that was more conducive to gameplay, which is, I think, what you'd have to do with this one, in my my opinion, like what Kevin said. Fair enough. I just, yeah, I think there's enough here to work with, and I know people were not necessarily warm to this one, just as they weren't with Pitch Blend, so that's why I wanted to shout out these two, because I do think they're doing some really interesting things. It's cool for the ones that didn't like make the top of everyone's list to get some discussion. Tom, what was uh, speaking of which, what was your uh, next item? Uh, so the next one I pulled was the one and only gun story. Uh, so this one starts with kind of a descriptive text about a single cult army pistol from the 1800s and how it's been involved in all these famous murders. And normally I would say descriptive text in a shotgun scenario is not a good use of the word count, but I think it actually does come together as it goes on and has this creepy conspiratorial flair to it. Uh, And so the bulk of it is a description of this pistol as an unnatural artifact. And then towards the end, it provides a quick little sketch of a scenario you can use to run with it. Yeah, I like this one. I like it because it reminds me a lot of Genie, the gun from... Gingiva and Middens. Genie is a, a gun who's also a little person. And when you start the game, Genie says, um, I have to warn you right away that I'm your conscience, but I'm also your id. And my tongue will always be within reach to lick your fingernails. My eyes will meet 
the gaze of those you slay, even if yours do not. Knowing this, do you still wish to persevere? And then as you play the game, it gives these little these little vignettes like, you know, you remind me of the first person I ever shot. <laughs> Jesus, that's creepy. And uh, I think the main flaw that I have with because the gun the gun like has magic powers and compels people to kill and like teleports around. I think the main flaw with it is that the gun's special powers. I don't want to say they violate suspension of disbelief because obviously it's magic; it can do whatever it wants. But I do think that they are a little. It's not the direction I would have taken with a magic gun. I think the way that you, the way to make a magic gun compelling is to make it genuinely valuable to the person using it, rather than just using psychic powers to compel them to kill and then teleport to another person to do it again. I think the reason why the gun should be should be used by these people in these acts of, of violence is that the gun makes you powerful, and that's why you want to pick it up and use it. And you could even draw in because I think I think this was the gun that was used to kill Garfield, the president. And one of the things about the Garfield assassination is that the Garfield assassin, uh, Charles Gateau, basically just did it to get attention. He did it because he wanted to be famous. <laughs> ostensibly, he did it because ostensibly he did it because Garfield wouldn't give him a job as ambassador to France. But in reality, he was a narcissist, and he just really wanted people to like remember his name. Which is funny because he's the he's the second least remembered presidential assassin after Leon Cholgosh, who, by the way, did nothing wrong. Uh, Gateau. Um, I don't remember what model of pistol he actually used. I think it was an Ivor Johnson or one of those old, like, just barely cartridge-loading revolvers. But um, that idea of this gun will... You use it because it makes you powerful, not because it's giving you psychic compulsions. Because players always want... They always want, like, 15-20% lethality in all their attacks because they're worried about monsters that have supernatural damage resistance. I mean, even something like the, the more powerful a person you shoot or more like more more of a spectacle the shooting is the more powerful it makes you so then your compulsion is like not the gun makes you do it but like i want to shoot a president uh because it's gonna give me way more power than shooting like a vagrant you know what i mean like that would explain why it's been used in that manner as well you don't need to change the backstory for it i would probably split the difference and say it's like the compulsion is it makes you think there's this person who's putting you down and now you have the power to get rid of them and so that's the compulsion is it wants you to go after this person and take back what's yours. How is the actual, like, I know a lot of Texas, or not a lot of Texas use on the scenario, but is it, do you think it's solid? I think it's pretty solid, yeah. I'll also admit I have a sucker. I am a sucker for this kind of scenario where, like, the murderer is secretly the murder weapon. I think that's, like, a fun little twist. But yeah, so the invest, for the scenario itself, the investigative stage is pretty quickly gotten through it seems like it's all leading up to a set piece where you find out that one of the cops investigating the case has stolen the gun from evidence and is now shooting up his own police department i think yeah he's the the only honest cop in the station and he's like hey you know i think that the the murders have been done by a serial killer and everyone else is like oh we can't uh let the public know there was a serial killer they'll think we're incompetent which is just funny and it looks like, like, regardless of how you treated that one detective, it looks like he's on a murderous rampage anyways. Yeah, I think it's really just, like, it changes whether he's after you as well or whether he's after a bunch of NPCs. But the rampage goes on. Yeah, like, I, there were a lot of submissions this year that kind of broke the mold, it seemed like, in what a shotgun scenario looks like. And I just thought that was a lot of fun. What about the uh, third one you want to talk about? All right. My final one is Irregular Bereavement Protocols, which is more along the lines of a traditional shotgun scenario. 
it's one of the ones we referenced earlier in terms of like doppelgangers and magically created duplicates. The basic premise is that there is a magic artifact that when you're exposed to it and you have a unusual brainwaves, it will pick up on your brainwaves and create a replica of the person you are most emotionally attached to or your most emotional thoughts are attached to. And so it creates a situation where there are people living in this town who should be dead or they've moved away and they don't want to speak to somebody in the town ever again. I really like this one. Yeah, this is a really good one. I was just going to say, I think what's nice about this is is this gives you a lot of meat to drop into an existing uh, existing campaign where you long play because you, you know what like bonds and what you know horror you've already wrought on your agents. So you can make sure those people feature in this. Yeah, exactly. It does Jake's favorite thing where it really ropes your bonds into the scenario. I do love that. Um, my my thought about this one was that when I learned that the artifact like gives you your bonds back, um, I don't think that the agents are going to want to destroy it. Uh, I think that they're going to be like, wow, this is this is a wonderful tool and I need to keep it forever. I mean, I am sick of scenarios where the moral dilemma is kill someone you don't want to kill. I think that that's played out. It's the reason why I, I'm always like shit-talking Metamorphosis and all those other classic modules. I think it's just played out, and I, I agree with Jake that I think that it's a much more interesting possibility space if you don't just take it as a given that you have to kill all of these strange duplicates. I think the other flaw of the scenario is that the abnormal alpha wave mechanic just feels arbitrary. I would like it if there was some more obvious and visible justification for why certain people get resurrected. Even if, I think I think one way to do it that would be cool is you have unnormal alpha waves if you have even 1% in your unnatural skill. That's just why the agents are, are susceptible to resurrection. I think you I should increase it when you have disorders as well. Yeah, this is a scenario that would really benefit from referencing the cracked mechanic from the labyrinth. That's great, That's yeah. good too, yeah. And that makes it easy instead of having to figure out like a complex do complex math to figure out how many how much sand you've lost and how much how many disorders you have if you're cracked or not that'd be a good one it's, it's clues as well for like npcs that do it you know if if they have they go to a therapist and they have like you know other or you interview people and you find out you know she's depressed or she doesn't like loud noises or whatever you know just the sort of thing that a, a player might be able to piece together and say oh that sounds like they have a disorder or is a game mechanic and then you might even get like that slow creeping realization, wait a minute, my agent has a disorder, you know, or my agents yeah, <laughs> susceptible. Yeah. yeah. I think that would be the fun part is suddenly like shocking them with somebody showing up at your hotel room door. Yeah, but not until the player themselves makes the, makes the connection, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I like this one. Um, I thought it was, it was thorough. It was complete. It was in a runnable state. Um, this was, I think this was one of the ones I voted for. It was hard to find. Like, I had, like, seven that I wanted to vote for, but I could only vote for five. So this made my list. I think this one suffers for, from something that's not the author's fault, which is the sheer number of unnatural clone duplicate scenarios in the, yeah. in the, the crop. This, th There's nothing they could have done about that. I think they were one of the first ones submitted, so... I mean, I w even if they were the last one submitted, I wouldn't say they ripped off anyone else because I think most people are writing scenarios based on what they want to write and not, like based on what other people have written. So it's it's not anything that's that's something that I, I can realistically say I, the author is 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 
wrong about or like I, I felt bad when I was writing the reviews because by the end I was I was a little tired of seeing this premise over and over again. But there I mean that's not the fault of the submitters. That's that's just what happened. It's like how in past years there've been like thirty king and yellow scenarios that all kinda of ran together. Yeah, I remember a couple of years ago that was a big one. All in all, this is a pretty good one. Uh you know, put it on the clone meat pile. <laughs> yeah, such, but it's yeah. <laughs> Throw it on top of all the rest of the lab grown bodies. I think I, I said it um, in the in the Discord server, but like I, I thought that maybe that there's some sort of compulsion for people to write similar things based on like what's scary to them in the news. Like uh, you know, fear of the other is a thing we're we're seeing a lot with the coronavirus and how you can't really go in public and you can't like trust everyone that you see because they might infect you with like a deadly disease. Well, you know why year, King Yellow was so popular last year, right? I mean, because Impossible Landscapes came out, no? No, because no, no masks. No masks. Well, Kevin, it was like good. two years ago. That's pretty good. Look, it's, <laughs> but, it I mean, still works, all right? The big, we're going the big into stream, stream of, 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 of Carcosa scenarios that were all the same was like 2019. Yeah, fair. But in order for the bit to work... <laughs> I mean, like if, if anyone here knows like knows about you know sticking with a bit, you should appreciate it, Alan Brad. God, yeah, but it's a bit that I don't bit. like. I never thought I never thought it was funny. Commit to the bit, Kevin. Kevin, I'm doing I'm doing what you always do, which is just no sell the joke that you that you don't think is worthy of your attention. I'm the I'm the best at improv because they'll be like, man, remember when we saw that dog? And I'd be like, no, I don't. I don't remember that. No, oh, never seen any dogs. It's a dog. <laughs> Make them explain. That's my the character, man. Of a dog to you. My my character in this sketch is man who doesn't know what a dog is. <laughs> the the other like pattern I've noticed about shotgun submissions uh, that have a tie to like real world events is uh, shotgun scenarios that feature like AI and cryptocurrency. That's sort of like thinking machine. Yeah, that's sort been here. That was the other big theme this year. Uh, and I did want to talk about. The, one of the the cryptocurrency scenarios I actually like. I was going to say that you know what people don't realize. I guess I can announce it now is that the next year shotgun scenario everything will be minted as an NFT and we'll run the whole thing on the blockchain. Oh my yeah, and it'll be secure. It'll be secure because everybody can see the votes on the ledger. <laughs> oh god! All right, uh, what which one do you want to talk about? So this is Toga Party. This is the cryptocurrency one. Um, it is about. Uh, give me one second to refresh my memory. It's about people who develop a type of electronic token that you can collect by performing rituals. And so essentially by it may it, it rewards you with money and power in exchange for charging up the ritual center. Right. It's like New Age, uh, the scenario, but it's crypto currency yeah for, the, for those of you not familiar new age is a scenario from original delta green which is about people charging up their jo crystals but the migo are secretly siphoning energy on off of it through a, a, a parody of scientology because the devs didn't want to make it actual scientology because they're very litigious especially back then yeah no this is actually a pretty close parallel to that now that i think about it you know yeah. just ri- ri- ridiculing something um, I'll say I'll say that I like this scenario because it's about computers, but there's not a super AI in it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's fair. Like, and and the joke the joke is I, because it's a shoved niggerath based um, t- electronic cult. The joke was going to be uh, like in Cruelty Squad, the super AI is born from the ultra pornographic hyper suck and fuck. But because there's no super AI, that joke is now has now been no sold. 
So yeah, we're just going to have to be content with the scenario text. The one thing that threw me off was um, early on it says that it's expected that this scenario will be investigated remotely because it's like set in the New York during COVID. But then there's nothing in the text about how to do all this remotely. And I don't think that it's even possible to do remotely. So you probably could have like omitted that text and just put it elsewhere. I think there could have been more things explicitly for computer scientists to do, because I do worry about this being one of those scenarios similar to Observer Effect, where it seems very comp sci oriented, but most of the clues can't actually be gathered with computer science. They have to be gathered with like walking around talking to people. Right. Because I've turned around on Observer Effect. I, I think a lot of my criticisms of that scenario were unfair. But one of the ones that I'm I'm still sticking with is that like you'd think that because there's a super AI in Observer Effect, you'd be able to use computer science on it. But it just it's not that useful. the the way that, The way that you get information out of the AI in that scenario is just by talking to it, which you really don't need CompSci to do. But that's that's like a a whole other strand of 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 conversation. Um, this scenario, I think the NPCs I remember being pretty good. Having some personality. Yeah, the, the NPCs are solid. Yeah, they're they're very fleshed out, and the monster is pretty neat too. It's a, a decentralized horror. It can like travel through computer networks. Remind me what the monster is. I like how uh, it can drag you into the network. Yeah, yeah. It it, it basically comes in and out of. Oh, like, it's a, it's a reboot computers. episode. <laughs> uh, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, you're not familiar with reboot. Jake doesn't. Jake's never seen things. He, Re- is Reboot a, is a it, was a, a children's cartoon series about a group of computer programs that um, every time every time someone played a video game, they had to load into the video game and and, and serve as the NPCs. And um, if they got killed in the video game, they just died. So it was basically about like a group of people that were constantly subjugated, subjugated, subjected to gladiatorial torments for the amusement of the user. Oh, so that, like an adult version of Cyber Chase on PBS Kids. Oh, there was nothing adult about it. This was a children's show. And <laughs> I guess the lesson they were trying to teach children is that programs are people too. I've only ever seen one episode, so I don't actually know it's, it's the lore. Good, I mean, it's good. They had some great villains. There were some great villains in it. There was like Cyberman and Cyberwoman, wasn't there? <laughs> Different names. I don't remember their names, so I'm calling them that. But yeah. Cyber, uh, Cyber Joe. They were waiting in, in this scenario. It's, it's like mega, the, megabyte and hexadecimal. Fuck, that's pretty good. Is it? But is it megabyte in the? Because um, there's there's two there's two different nomenclature or nomenclature. There's two different counting systems for bytes. There's like the um, the electricians union one, and then like the uh, SI units one. So which is which one's megabyte? I don't know. Byt if that helps. Okay. The cryptocurrency in this scenario uh, it hasn't gone public yet. Uh, so it's trying to, you know, generate like people to get the buy-in, uh, for it. Uh, so one of the things I thought would have been fun is if you released like some meme images to go along with it, like make, make some memes for your fake Delta Green scenario, like to the moon, like GameStop stonks and and that sort of stuff. That joke is already stale though. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I, it still would have been fun and it would have been, you know, uh, I I think it would have added to the scenario. If if I ever run it, it's one of the little handouts I'm going to make. Yeah, that kind of handout would would be would be valuable because even if it's a played out joke, it shows the men, like the mental state of the people doing it. Yeah, the rug that they're about to pull out from under you. But that was Toga Party. It's called that because the cryptocurrency is called Toga. Uh, one of the ones I wanted to talk about was uh, to the window to the qual, which was a uh, another one by. To the swag right down, 
Uh, I like this one. So the premise of this one is that your agents are investigating something else, and they see this like small animal, and then a bunch of cavemen like appear out of nowhere and like jump into a dimensional rift that you get that the agents then jump into, and then the grugs from you know the the the, the Delta Green cavemen are chasing this interdimensional creature, and so so are your agents. Um, so the whole scenario really is just this like pell mell chase through different time periods and different things. And there's no like what I like about it is that it's not it's not like it's not like you have to spend time investigating stuff. It's just like all the shenanigans that can happen along this along this uh, this chase here. So I think it'd be a great like con scenario or a great scenario if you've done a bunch of really heavy scenarios. So this one in is kind of a fun like. Kind of, you know, shake, shake yourself loose and limber up kind of scenario. And there's like, eight, yeah, there's eight different different places that the qual can jump to, and they're all, you know, they're all flushed out enough that you could, you know, run with the description descriptive text on them. So <clears throat> it's not, there's really not a lot of complexity. You just chase this thing, and then either you know work with or f- fend off the the cavemen, you know, depending on right. how you how you run how you you know play it out, but. The author mentioned that it was was, uh, just Scooby-Doo's cyber chase, but like as a a time traveling funny piece. So you're right about it being like lighthearted. Yeah, it's a hallway bit. (laughs) I think that this one would have been better if the players were the Grugs. I think that th- I have a similar opinion about this one as I do about the Pisces cadaver dog one. You can, yeah, you could easily run it as player Grugs. Players are the the Grugs, and they're um like it's 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 similar to the episode of Dexter's Lab where the caveman gets teleported into the lab and he starts killing the robots with his like club. Oh no! You know what you do. So at a con, at, at a con, you have a lot of players. So half the players are Grugs, half the players are Delta Green agents. Yeah, <laughs> that's the way to and do the, it. The Grugs can no, only- no at a at a con. You have this scenario, like you, you get with like your friends who are running games or whatever, and then at like any moment in time, you have your players migrate to the other player's table because they run just through jumped. with the claw. <laughs> they just, they just, they just, they're comically chasing this thing through through another person's scenario, regardless of oh, tone. Oh god, I mean, just go through the whole, go through all like eight tables, and then indie yeah. agents that get sucked in are now with you. And yeah, Greg just yeah. behind and now in that oh, scenario. That that answers a question oh God, I had because because one of my, one of my one of my comments was like what happens when agents get left behind? So like yeah. you have it now. You just leave them at that table. Just completely clueless. <laughs> yeah, it's, no, it's, that's, a, it's a very fun scenario. That's perfect. And if, if we can track Mark and Brent to a Gen Con that is in full of horrifying pandemic diseases, uh she'll have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, was that all we had for this one? Anyone want to add anything else? I think it's good. I think the the other thing that um that I would wonder about is I think having the having the animal just be like a a, a primitive dog or whatever works. I think it's 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 fine. But one thing that you might do to make the chase a little more um engaging because I worry what happens is if you have like people chasing a dog or a marsupial or whatever through like a swamp is that it just hides in a burrow and then nobody ever fucking finds it because how do you find a single rat in a swamp is to, to make it a different like animal to make it a, a like larger, not just larger, but like make it an actual like alien creature. That's super obvious and out of place. If you wanted to make this scenario a little, easier for the people doing the chase and you can keep you can keep all the other mechanics the same about how it like spends it spends uh power or whatever to to teleport something that's extinct like a dodo bird what kind of creature is a qual it's not a rodent it's a marsupial yeah it's like a it's like a doll 
Those are not marsupials. Those are canines. <laughs> I know. So yeah, check it out, and you know, maybe coming soon to a Gen Con near you. Uh, uh, what's next? Uh, you want to do one of yours, Max? My next scenario to review is when the boat comes in. When the boat comes in is a Pisces scenario where you have to go investigate a village. The village is secretly filled with cannibals. And there's not an unnatural element in the village itself. The only unnatural element is a deep one that will offer your help in exchange for sex. Because deep ones are perverts and obsessed with sex. And that's a that's like a, an escape valve if the players are doing badly. The, the lady will show up and be like, okay, this is... This is a, uh, I can send like a, a, a team of elite badasses and create a storm and so on, but in exchange, one of you is going to be, um, one of you is going to be my, my consort, which makes sense because you, 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 um, you have all this other stuff about how you are like kind of, and the, the implication I got from it is that you're not like the elite badass Pisces agents. You're just kind of like, they just send you here to, to, to figure out where this guy went. But the thing I like about it is that it reminds me a lot of one of the better episodes of Torchwood, which was basically like Fringe if it was set in the Doctor Who universe, and was honestly a much better show, and uh, much better better than um, better than like Doctor Who, not necessarily better than Fringe, because I think Fringe was all right. But um, in that one, there's one episode where they go to a village that's filled with cannibals, and it's not there's not like wizards or or aliens or anything. It's just cannibals. And at the end, they ask the cannibal like, "Why did you kill and eat all these people? What possible motivation could you have had?" And he says, "That ah, made me happy." And I thought that was the greatest among the greatest like villain speeches. And it's just one sentence. Why, why are you doing this? Because I was hungry. So I think this is a good scenario. My understanding is that this one was pretty popular. Yeah, I, this one got a lot of high marks from a lot of people that were talking about it. It got high marks from me, too. Um, I, I got Wicker Man vibes from it. You know, you go to the the remote English village, everything looks pretty lovely, and then you find out. Yeah, of the, of the, two, or three, the, the two or three Wicker Man-type scenarios, the, the two or three Wicker Man-likes submitted this year, I think this one is definitely the best. Dude, I love I love the I love the axe like joke format where it's like ah yes this is my favorite my favorite dark seed like of this year or uh, what is it the kids are saying these days they'll just like slap the word core onto the end of something They're like dude, oh this is a real dude, deep, eating deep eating core. E- eating lunch is so tasty pilled I was hungry core but now I'm satisfied gang <laughs> <laughs> there it is. That's it. Melon, a voice of the younglings. And that's when that's, you know you just dis, you, you disentangle yourself from the younger generation. I saw I saw a kid say, I'm going $10 mode and take out $10. <laughs> neither, neither of those are, are my joke. Both I know, just don't I know. Ooh, it's good. The kids are all right. I don't have a lot to say about this one. This one's just, uh, I like this one. It's just, it's just solid. It's, you know, it's solid, it's runnable. Yeah. It works. The one, the one thing I would have liked, the one thing I would have liked is more, um, sample NPC villagers, but that would have required reducing word count somewhere else. It, it really does speak for itself. Uh, it, it's solid. It's complete. Um, pick it up and run it as is. All right. So, um, Werewolf Gimmick is a scenario about a kid who is, like, filled with science, not science, um, it's like a crack baby, but for reverb, and <laughs> being taken care, reverb is like a magical drug that sends your mind to space, and also is, attracts the hounds of Tim Dallas, Tim Dallas, because it's a time travel drug, and the kid is being raised by a wrestler, and the wrestler has her pseudism and looks like a werewolf as a result. And, like, 90% of the scenario is, like, okay, do we want to wrestle with the werewolf to, like, 
to like sell his gimmick? Do we want to like fake an injury? Do we want to cut a deal with his sleazy promoter? And my favorite comment that I saw in this scenario is that um, actually the promoter is right and the werewolf totally is a child groomer because there's nothing in this scenario to indicate that all that at all. But that's like the 100% Twitter brain attitude to take about the scenario. Wait, Max, I just saw a kid say I'm about to go $10 mode and take out $10. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no. This is this is this is a, a great scenario. Um, I do think it's possible that the players will miss a lot of the fun content if they don't choose to wrestle with the werewolf. Yeah, if, and also if you don't really like know elements of like wrestling culture or whatever, it's some of the like some of it. To be fair, you have to have a pretty high IQ to understand. Oh, you're not gonna under- <laughs> people. The players aren't gonna understand how to sell or, or like you know not breaking kayfabe. Yeah. <laughs> Because I thought that was awesome, the fact that you can go through this scenario and win if you don't break kayfabe. I think that, um, what are, what are, what are your good, um, good wrestling memes? Uh, uh, RKO out of nowhere. I was going to say, I was going to say that's, you have a guy in the back, you have the, you have the guy in the back with the bring back Benoit sign. Or a guy going, you know, oh my god! Oh my god, it's JR, yeah. Uh, you, you, any, any time the agents wish to summon a steel chair, they'll just magically be able to find if you, one. If you crit fail, you yell fucking bullshit like fucking Iron Cheek. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, on a more serious note, this, this did remind me of the Mickey Rourke movie, The Wrestler, a lot. Mm-hmm. It's which is pretty that. good. Yeah, and this is really a better version of Reverberations. It's less focused on, like, you know, investigating the uh, Chocho drug dealers and more just sort of making it almost almost more personal. Well, I've really, turned really, really around really on I, I agree that it's better than Reverberations because I think Reverberations just has a lot of checks that it doesn't cash. Like, it doesn't even have mechanics for what if the players take the special drug, which is, like, the first thing that you need to know. Um, I think that Reverberations has one thing that I'd never, I think, have given it credit for publicly, which is that it completely inverts your expectations about Chochos, because, like, they're counting on the players being like, oh, they must be evil because they're, like, a mythos ethnic group or whatever. And it's like, no, if they, if you, if you just talk to them like a normal person, they will tell you a magical spell that kills the boss. They will help you for free for no reason and, at no point will they ever threaten you or try to harm you in any way. They will only be polite and helpful if you are helpful to them and polite to them. And there's one character who's like, oh, it's a mythos sorcerer and a fate lord or whatever, but that's never explored because I think Reverberations was probably planned to be part of some stuff that got canceled or pushed so far into the future that we're not likely to see it within an appreciable time frame. That, which is my main criticism of Reverb, is that it, it just writes a lot of checks the GM has left to cash by themselves. But this scenario is more self-contained. That's what I like about it. Uh, if you don't have art wrestling, you can use unarmed combat instead. But then the the wrestler guy's like, "What the hell, man? Not really supposed to punch me." <laughs> well, so so I, I was I was talking to someone on the Delta Green server, and apparently in wrestling, the way that you signal that you, that someone has hit you too hard is to also hit them back too hard because. It, you're not actually supposed to like injure people because it's a, it's 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 a performance. But yeah. the issue is that if that happens in a Delta Green game and the players genuinely oh don't know what's supposed to happen, they're going to actually think they're supposed test. to fight. Yeah, yeah, just a slugfest. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody stops. You could have somebody relay that to the. You could keep that from spiraling. If you so had one to, one yeah. thing that I would like is um, when I did uh, when I, I, I was I was thinking about how Delta Green could use 
And and th- th- this is not like that necessary for the game, but I think it's fun. Like unarmed special moves, like how um, in in Call of Cthulhu you have like punch, kick, grapple, whatever. I was thinking for for um, and I and I, I did this in in a couple things. I did this in my write up for the dudes of Hazmat because I think that 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 show is wonderful. And I did it in um, Eightfolds to Infinity, which is like you can um, if you do an elbow drop on a downed enemy, it does double damage. And or or you can do a um, a clothesline, which instead of pinning someone, it knocks them prone. Oh yeah, I'm I'm exploring these things for uh, my Halo RPG as but well. But in in, so in like the wrestling styles, in the wrestling the wrestling one, you have um you have a an Irish whip, which is to force the enemy to take a move action. Oh, that's good. You know, bounce them off the ropes and yeah, yeah. yeah or a pi- yeah. pile driver, which is um like you you uh, deal bonus damage to a grappled enemy. Or, or a suplex, like in Resident Evil 4. Like, just complete nonsense, but, um, I mean, I, I, I would personally rather, like, give the players a, a meme option if it's anything besides just I roll firearms in combat. I, I, I roll to hit him in the face. Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing is, is that with, with unarmed combat, it's always better to grapple and disarm than to, to deal damage, because dealing damage is like, okay, D4 minus 1, he's got a bulletproof vest, you literally can't hurt him. Whereas, um, you add all these grappling options, and suddenly you're in business. Yeah, I like it. Well, uh, that's about all I have to say for Werewolf Gimmick. Uh, anyone want to move on to the next yeah. scenario? Yeah, the last one I want to talk about was The Drove. This was a scenario by uh, Ross, Payton. Ross Payton. Yeah. <clears throat> Who, uh, you know, some, some we just talked about Bastel a little while ago. Some of the stuff is, is kind of our favorites. Um, did, and I think, I think over... <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. I think overall this is solid, but it does... It does fall flat in a couple spots for me, um, mainly because it's not. Although I think it falls flat because I've set the bar for Ross Payne scenarios higher than the bar. I don't know because I, I, I bestow bestow is my absolute favorite shotgun scenario. I'm not sure I love a lot of his other stuff. I think that under new management was kind of weak because it it's set after all the interesting stuff happens. I think the one that he wrote about like the gravity manipulating people was was not my favorite. I did like the contractors, although I think it would have been really improved if the pregens had more interesting motivations. I do like this one though. I think this one's a good scenario. It's got an interesting creature. It's got it's it's not like super huge in scale. Uh, for those of you who haven't read this, um, the plot of of the drove. I think this is the scenario we're talking about. The plot of the drove is that there's a a pig that their pig monster that they're keeping in the basement and feeding people to like get special secretions from it. And my objection to this scenario is that the entire town is all zero sand cultists, which is not an interesting framing to put around a scenario, both because I dislike zero sand cultists just generally, but also specifically in this case, because it robs you of like 90% of the interesting investigative element. Yeah, I would have liked to see this as a kind of a slow burn, slowly realizing that the whole town is like working to stymie your investigation, but through politeness. And then as you, as you start to push, they start to push back, you know, kind of like, um, you know, stuff, kind of like stuff like get out, you know, things like that, where it kind of, you know what I'm saying? Like, get down, I don't know how to end that sentence. So, uh, since the contest ended, Ross did update their Patreon with a map of the the dungeon where the monster lives in which i think en- enhances it yeah i just posted it there for you guys to see um so to help kind of uh make it more clear uh about the actual like dungeon crawl part of the scenario 
which I, I think maps are great. And if you submit a, a map in your shotgun scenario, I'm much more likely to. I mean, the whole it. the entire reason why Bestow was good is the map. Yeah, yeah, right. Without a that map, a that scenario, scenario would probably yeah. been unrunnable because people. Yeah. It, it would have been like um, the first. It would have been like under, under. Yeah, I was gonna say that that scenario. It did have a map, but I just I don't think anyone could understand what was happening in it. So maybe I'm maybe I'm 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 wrong. Maybe it's not the map that 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 makes the scenario. Uh, I wonder well, if you maps took have any, to be legible. I wonder if you took any um, inspiration from this. You know that guy who buried a bunch of buses. Um, it may look just like giant bunker. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if he and, now, and now he's too old that. to take care of them. Uh, it's it's actually really sad now. It's he's too old to take care of them, and nobody wants to. It, it used to be like a, a labor model where like he'd come by and you'd volunteer for fifteen minutes a month or something, and he'd guarantee you a spot in the in the thing. But like nobody's afraid of like the nuclear apocalypse anymore, so nobody comes to help him. So like people go in now as part of their volunteer and they like they take out like all the really old stuff like computer monitors from the 80s or like you know large fat back televisions and um it's actually it's actually just kind of sad now. Yeah. I just wonder if you got any inspiration from that. So yeah, uh pretty much, you know like in the you could easily fix the zero sync this problem by just making them not that way, but it does require, you know, some extra work there. <clears throat> And I can, I can definitely see, and I can definitely see in a slower investigation, then it kind of ramps up with you getting like black bagged, so to speak, and then tossed into the dungeon and then have to fight your way out and then, you know, then solve the problem. Like it's a good three act. Yeah. Right I think, I think, I think the, the, the issue with these types of scenarios is that the most interesting like gameplay is always you get thrown in the, in the monster basement. You have to get, get out and like get your items and fight back and stuff. And then the issue with that is that that's very hard to engineer in a way that feels satisfying because like, okay, you got drugged. Well, I mean, did we? Like, we didn't eat anything. We didn't narrate eating. Okay, well, your characters had to eat something, so they ate at the diner because we didn't, you know, torturously narrate every scene. It's like, well, no, that's bullshit. And then it gets into this, like, whole back and forth. It's like how that one, the one guy survived, um... I know you should talk about the the germaphobe guy. Convergence guy who survived by eating only like packaged items uh this is a similar case where it's really cool but it's also hard to set up in a way that's natural because like if they if they like if they break down your door and they have like you know clubs and shit you're going to shoot them because they're delta green so players do not want to be captured and it's difficult to set up but yeah it would be a cool outcome you'd have to do the cheap move and just have it happen which is which um, is super cheap, and I hate it. Having but it be the be, it so so the way the only way that you can do that, I think, is and and have it be satisfying is have it be the very beginning of the scenario. That's what happens. The have it, have it just just be. This is how the game starts. We're not we're not worried about. Um, you can use flashbacks. Yeah, then you can flashback the investigation. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that'd be pretty I solid like that. Yeah. arc for it. And you can use unarmed to wrestle the pig creature. Just can, can you suplex it? it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, what was the last one you wanted to talk about? Uh, I wanted to talk about Operation Ask Alice. I think that Operation Ask Alice is this. This is one that I I I don't know that a lot of other people were in love with, but I liked because I think it's got a cool setting. I think that the the uh, way that you get to the secret dream realm and the dream realm itself are cool. I think that the creature at the end is is fine. And the just over just overall, it's a little it's a nice little dungeon crawl with some fun set pieces. Yeah, my my beef with it was that it didn't really have that many choices for players to make. 
Yeah, it's a it's a dungeon crawl, so the choices are to crawl the dungeon or to not do it, and there's not alternate routes or anything through the dungeon. Like you go in, you know, you go from one like stage of it to the other. You get attacked by the monster that's haunting this uh, portion of the dreamlands. You find the person, and then you drag the person back, and you might also get attacked by the monster again. I think the puzzle is cool, where you can you have to have people watching stuff in order to stop it from changing position. Yep, that's a neat neat puzzle. It's like that one XCP. Ugh, gross. Um, I do I do like the 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 what do they call it quantum uh quantum hex crawl mechanic, where you have like the D four uh. You start. You initially roll like D four when they're getting through, and then you add a modifier to it uh, to eventually. This, this is the mini game you were talking about, right? Or it's just you have a a very vague way of influencing where you're headed in this this dreamscape. Is that how it works mechanically? Yeah, yeah. Like uh, you, the the it's a there's five places you can go. One is the base camp. Two is the slide rock. Three is yeah, the yeah. Tub, yeah. And then, like, the place you want to get, you can only get there by rolling a 5+. plus. So you have to experience the other earlier locations to have a chance of getting to the, the point you want to go to. But beyond that, it's hard for players to influence that aspect of, of the crawl. It's interesting that the Dream Haunt, it doesn't appear that the Dream Haunt can attack you until you kill it. The Dream Haunt will, will prowl around the area, but... Its only attack is to use the same attack that has been used to kill it. And what's not clear to me is whether the Dream Haunt has already been killed and is therefore capable of attacking the players at the beginning of the scenario, or whether it relies on the players shooting it, which they probably will because it's it's a, a, a creature. It has uh, like other prey it could mimic or whatever, right? You, you could have it attack you as if it was if it, if, as if it had been killed by other early Dreamlands things. That would be safe. Yeah, yeah. other people that came into this uh, this canyon. I do as always appreciate a well-laid-out scenario. A lot of bullets, a lot of bolding. Makes it, the really, one thing, makes it really easy to pick up. The one thing that would have improved this, I think, is maybe a bit more uh, page breaks. But it's, but looking at it now, it's not actually that bad. I think a map would be nice, too. A map no, would be really cool yeah. with a little illustration of, yeah. of the dream area. Yeah. Just get whoever did Ross Payton's map to do a map for this one. I mean, Ross Payton's map wasn't in his scenario, though, so... It that's doesn't true. count. All right. Well, maybe so that, maybe the Ask Alice's map isn't in here either. Yeah, that's Ask Alice. Uh, well, um, this year's I I I um I submitted two this year instead of my usual like four or five because I've been running out of um Delta Green stuff to to to, to do. I do have an idea that I really like for the next Night at the Opera contest. So hopefully I'll be able to finish that in time. Cool. Right when this airs, uh, the contest is ongoing. So. Check that out if you're interested. There's a little advertisement for Kevin, your other content, well, the one contest you're running. Yep, yeah, definitely check it out. And uh, everyone who submitted the shotguns, you know, thank you, and uh, keep them coming for next year. <laughs> <laughs>